Welcome to EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource, which this year is celebrating its 40th anniversary. This week, we bring you a special podcast from the One Voice Assembly in Sacramento. It's hosted by the California Association of Latino Superintendents and Administrators. And the one-day event is focusing on the challenges of getting Latino students to college, and once they get there, to make sure that more of them graduate or at least achieve what they set out to do when they enrolled. I'm pleased to welcome David Verdugo, who is Executive Director of the California Association of Latino Superintendents, usually referred to as CALSA, David, is that is that correct? That is correct. So David, let me ask you, why did you feel the need to pull this uh, event together, to really focus on college completion? We have always felt as an organization that there was a need, a critical need, to unite leaders from the public, nonprofit, philanthropic, and private sector, along with Latino leaders, to examine and discuss in a variety of ways, one thing that we felt was a very big priority, and that was the opportunity or the ability for Latino students to assess college and career pathways. This is obviously a big topic, but there's a number of issues or challenges at the K-12 level to get students prepared to go to college, and then there are obstacles in the way of students once they get to college or even getting them to apply and enroll and then complete. Where do you think the focus needs to be? At the K-12 level or at the post-secondary level? It's my firm belief now that that college culture that needs to exist as it relates to the expectations of students and families and parents needs to begin, in my opinion, as early as in the second grade. Wow, second grade. Well, how do you start promoting that college culture then? Well, you do it in conjunction with your trustees, your governance team. I think at the school district level, of, you mean. of the school district at the school at the respective school districts accordingly. It seems like school should be something exploring different subject areas. Uh, you really want kids to be enjoying school, and you're saying, "Boy, we need to be thinking about college at that level." Why is that so important? Well, I think you think in terms of outcomes, and if the outcome is in fact a successful graduate at the high school level who can go on again to post-secondary collegiate opportunities, they there has to be a foundation developed at that early age. Well, thank you, David Bordugo, for speaking with us today. Thank you so very much. I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Cesar Morales. He is superintendent of the Oxnard School District and also president of CALSA. Welcome. We were just talking to David Bordugo. He was saying you need to start at the second grade mm-hmm. to start inculcating this notion of a college culture. And I was saying to him, well, that seems really early. But do you share that view? How, how early does one start actually talking about college? I think as early as possible. And it should start uh, in the home. And uh, school districts, teachers, and administrators should partner with our parents to keep that narrative and conversation alive with all of our students. Just give me an idea then or an example or two of what kinds of college-focused activities you, you are doing in your district at, that, at this level. I think things uh, can have a range from uh, as simple as promoting college field trips to local community colleges and universities that not only focus on students but also on include parents attending. 
I know we've had college field trips that and open them up to, to parents to attend. For what grades? It could be as early as kindergarten, first grade, or the later grades as well. It is never too early to start. This, this is to colleges in your area? Yes, to, yeah. to the community college, Oxnard Community College, to Cal State University, Channel Islands. We've also enjoyed field trips to University of California, Santa Barbara, Pepperdine University, UCLA. And it's great when our staff, our alumni of some of these universities, it has a more personalized feel. But definitely making partnerships with all of the universities and community colleges within a radius of 50 to 75 miles, I think is uh, within reach of everyone. Definitely inviting university representatives to your schools and school districts should you make a community event. But all of the community colleges and, and universities, when we reach out to them, they're very friendly and open to having students visit their campus. Those are one uh, type of activity. And then others uh, could be having AVID programs at the middle school level. AVID is, uh, I'm not sure what the acronym stands for, but it's a national program that works with students. Yeah, it works with students to help demystify the school pipeline, but also give them the skills necessary to be successful students and kind of crack the code of what's necessary to be successful students presently and as they prepare themselves for college tomorrow. And I think we have supported a program like AVID at all of our middle school grades and are opening up training opportunities to attend conferences in the summer for the last three years to a broad range of our teachers because we want that type of philosophy to be throughout the district. I want kindergarten teachers to feel they're a professor in a college prep program that is called kindergarten. It starts with an attitude and a philosophy where we can promote college for every student in our community. One of the speakers earlier said that some parents are afraid to raise expectations for their kids about going to college because they fear that they won't be able to pay for it. It is a legitimate fear because of the high cost of attending college in the university. However, we, as people who've already gone through the system, have an obligation to share information of financial aid opportunities, also college scholarships, whether it be merit-based or need-based. There's numerous amount of resources that our uh, community can benefit from, and I think that will lower the anxiety. We're talking with Cesar Morales, who's superintendent of Oxnard School District. I have to ask you, you're Latino, Californian? Yes. Okay, so you have your PhD, so you obviously made it. Just briefly, where did you go to school and college? I um, grew up in the community of Inglewood, and I went to college at Loyola Marymount University for my undergraduate, and I got my doctorate degree at uh, UCLA, and um, I'm very happy. I grew up in a very supportive household. My parents always promoted attending college, and I recall taking trips to UCLA in the summers with my father, and we would share lunch on a lawn, and then he would introduce me to different professors as they walked by, and that was my initial entry point to the university experience, sharing the lunch my mom made for us and and engaging in conversations with folks as they walked by. You pointing to the role of parents and that schools then have this task to engage parents in this enterprise. 
I think we do have an obligation because we have a lot of opportunities where we can engage parents in conversations and bring them together. I, I did want to ask you about local control funding formula, which is supposed to give people like you more control and more flexibility in how you spend your money. Do you feel you have more flexibility to spend money on some of these initiatives that you're talking about? Uh, yes. Everything starts with a needs assessment and listening to your parents, uh, students, and teacher population. But definitely in the Oxnard School District, in the time of LCFF, we've been able to allocate resources to counselors. We've been able to expand participation in the AVID program. We've been able to add support teachers at, in our elementary schools and have had a very good opportunity to allocate resources behind all of the initiatives that we've, we've needed. So that has made a difference, this, this reform, which is supposed to do precisely what you've outlined, give school districts an ability to target funds on what they regard as high needs. I believe it has. There could be more uh, resources and revenue in the system so that we can meet the needs with a, with a broader stroke. Definitely, it's not only the academic needs that we need to support, but it's also the social, emotional, and mental health needs that exist and are pervasive in communities with high uh, poverty. We need to develop wraparound services that support the whole child, and we need more resources in order to do that. Okay, well, thanks for talking with us today, uh, Cesar Morales, who's uh, superintendent of Oxnard School District. I'm now talking with Jessica Garcia Cole, who is vice president of partnerships and sustainability at LRNG. Tell me what is LRNG, Jessica? Sure, LRNG actually stands for learning, but we've removed the vowels because of young people oh, knew it learning. was about okay. learning. They I would not be that. nearly as excited about, about LRNG. A few vowels missing, right? Is that the, exactly. Yeah. Okay. exactly. So what is LRNG? Sure. LRNG really is an initiative um, that transforms cities into giant classrooms, bringing together employers, whether they be public or private, with school systems, with after-school programs, maker spaces, um, a variety of, par- of partners in the city where learning can occur, so that we can make learning opportunities visible um, and accessible for all young people. You were saying on the panel discussion that there's a mismatch or a gap, a mismatch or gap between the employers and the students. Right. Or, or, and employers have been complaining about that for a long time. So just tell me a little bit about the gap and then how do we close the gap? Sure. What we're hearing from employers, we have 40% of employers who say they cannot find a qualified workforce. Is that, and you working in the Bay Area nationally, California? This is national. These are, these are national numbers. Okay. Um, and so what LRNG is doing is we are working to create a local, diverse, and qualified workforce. Where this economy is going, we need digital skills in this economy. So what LRNG is doing is tapping into the natural interests and curiosities and passions of young people and then helping them develop skills to level up into careers. But regardless of what the the industry is that they go into, we know that they're going to need digital skills and we know they're going to need what's now called essential skills or power skills, formerly called soft skills. So that is at the base of all of the curriculum or content that we create. So you are working on this concept of badges. How does that work? 
Badges can also be referred to as micro-credentials. Where we are going in this economy as well is we need to be able to validate skill sets for employers and for colleges. You know, a grade or a, is, is, or a resume may no longer be sufficient because employers want to know what can this person actually do for our company. So what the badges do is they have a third party who is verifying that a young person has a specific skill set. So are you awarding badges? At the end of the day, LRNG utilizes a tool. It is an online learning platform, and that platform has the ability to grant badges um, or micro-credentials for various skill sets. I'll give you one example of how this is working right right next door in West Sacramento. Uh, Mayor Cabaldin actually has utilized LRNG to build his own public workforce. They went to four city departments there and said, what are the entry-level skill sets you need for your workforce? They built out content that was going to badge specific skill sets that they needed for their entry-level workforce. What young people are doing in West Sacramento currently is they are leveling up from unpaid internships into paid internships and paid internships into jobs. This is a high school level. Now, we serve 13 to 19 is kind of the sweet spot currently of our content, um, but the West Sacramento program I cited is for high school students. Mayors are the largest employers of, of youth, and so it's a great opportunity for us to partner with cities, specifically with their Mayor Summer Jobs program, to give young people new opportunities. So so just again, then how, so how would this work in West Sacramento? The students would take these internships, courses, how would they get these badges? Yeah, so for example, there are playlists, what we call playlists, it's content that was developed by the city, by specific departments. Um, A young person would complete a playlist, let's say for the Department of Transportation, which is one of the playlists. Young people actually have to go out into the field with a mentor, they have to do research, they have to go to meetings, and once they've completed a variety of what we call XPs, experiences within a playlist, they end up getting a badge. That badge is certified by that employer saying this person has the skill sets that they're looking for, a specific skill set. And with that badge, they're able to do various things. For some of the playlists, they're able to level up into a paid job. For other playlists, it allows the young person to pick their college classes before anybody else. Each of the badges are to open up an opportunity that gets that young person one step closer to college or one step closer to a career. So what you are identifying is the complexity of connecting kids to college and careers, that it's not just taking the required courses. And I wouldn't say just, even that is a, is a challenge, but getting the required courses, getting the grades, doing well on SATs, whatever is required, but you're saying that it's even more than that. Yes, at the end of the day, it is more than that, because what we're hearing from employers is that it's not just the grain, it is the skill that they bring. And it's not just the hard skill that they bring, it's the formerly called soft skills, now called essential skills that are also important. How does that person know how to communicate, how to collaborate, how do they problem solve? So those are all skills that we are attempting to develop through our content, through our playlist on the LRNG platform. And isn't this something that all kids would benefit from? Yeah, at LRNG, we firmly believe that what happens outside of the classroom could be just as powerful, if not more, in shaping the career trajectory of a young person. Our CEO ran the education portfolio for the MacArthur Foundation for over a decade. In one of the studies they did there, they interviewed young people 
and asked, how did you get the job that you're in now that's so meaningful to you? And time over time over time, what these young people said is what I, it was what I was doing in my out of school time, in the music classes or the art classes or the robotics class, you know, that really sparked an interest for me um, that ultimately got me where I, I am now. They also said it wasn't a clear straight path. You know, you find one interest, that interest leads you to discover something new. What that helped us understand is that the learning is not and should not be um, contained within the classroom walls. We need to take advantage and value the learning that happens in the informal learning spaces in out of school time as well. And how many school districts are, are you working with or how much interest is there? When we launched LRNG last year, our goal was to serve young people in informal learning spaces. So we had one school district in Springfield, Ohio that we were working with, but really we were serving informal learning spaces. What we found in year two is that the demand is so great from traditional school providers that we are now entering into pilot projects. We currently have eight pilot project projects either underway or in discussion with um, with schools nationally. And then of course working in West Sacramento. Yes, in California we're in West Sacramento. Um, we are starting to work with Sacramento because they'd like to replicate the success that they've seen in West Sacramento. We're also in San Diego and San Jose in California. We've been talking with Jessica Garcia Cole who's Vice President at LRNG. Thank you for talking with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, that wraps it up for this week. I'm Lewis Friedberg. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another edition of This Week in California Education.